Welcome to the English Weekly Podcast brought to you by 9.09er English, where you get your dose of useful insights and practical tips on how to improve your English. My name is Irvin, and with me today are two of my colleagues, Philip and Brian. Last week, we had a fun and informative conversation about reading and comprehension. Today, we are going to focus on the last communicative skill assessed in English exams, which is listening. And a huge part of that is being familiar with different accents. Like this one, Sir Brian. Precisely, Sir <laughs> Philip. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Let's talk about listening and accent familiarization this time. We've been preparing for English exams for quite some time now, but let's go back to the very first time we exposed ourselves to American accent, British accent, Australian accent. Let's begin with Sir Philip. Hmm. Well, I the first time that I was exposed to the American accent was, I guess, at birth. Since <laughs> we are a former American colony, I was born in Manila. And in the household, uh, the music, the movies, the conversations in the household are in the American accent, or rather in the neutral, at least, mm-hmm. accent. So this, is a, this, is, this accent is something that, ha- that was familiar to me from the beginning. And uh, growing up, therefore, I had no problems um, absorbing it. Mm, I think I had the same experience, precisely the same experience, because most of the... Uh, things that I've listened to before are in the American accent. But when it comes to the other accents, like the British or Australian accent, I only probably started listening to them when I was already maybe a teenager, when the popular films from the UK started seeping into the culture of the Philippines. Mm, same. Harry Potter, of oh, course, yes, is the first definitely. thing that comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing that comes the to movies. mind. Mm-hmm. But I think it's different when you just watch and listen as compared to talking to someone face-to-face. Oh, yeah. So, mm. Sir Philip, you've mentioned that the first time you were exposed to that kind of accent was perhaps when you were in kindergarten or maybe at home since birth. But what about your first encounter with a native speaker face-to-face? Like a live breathing <laughs> American <laughs> yes. and things Tangible. like that. Tangible. <laughs> it, was, it was really different because when you have to participate in a dialogue, it's not what... I expected it to be. It was a challenge. I remember having an American classmate in grade four. His name is Benjamin. Shout out to Benjamin. <laughs> the, Hi, Benjamin. Hi, Benjamin. Uh, I was the one assigned to like converse with him since I was the best in English in class. And so he's my first exposure to a real life <laughs> breathing American. And it wasn't so hard because he... He spoke in a way that was familiar to me. He sounded like the movies. He sounded mm. like mm. the the. He sounded like TV, actually. Mm-hmm. He sounded mm. like the news. Mm. But I recall having genuine difficulty in meeting my first Australian. Like, oh my god, <laughs> what does she say? <laughs> and I, by this time, by the time I met my first Australian, I had already taken the IELTS exam, the OET exam. And I had gotten the perfect grades in these tests. However, even oh my god, should I say this? The I I had to struggle. I had to struggle on. I had I was looking at his mouth and then trying to f- decipher the sounds that are coming out <laughs> from it. And like, huh, what? And like I was looking around. I felt like a student. I felt like a candidate. I felt like a beginner. 
mm-hmm. because the experiences in the exams, at least my exams, was totally different from the real world. Yeah. Do, do you have similar experiences, or Brian? Well, I can't actually remember when I met the first American guy or an Australian or a British guy. But I think I was already a professional when I dealt with Americans or native English speakers. It was the same experience. And it was so totally intimidating for me to communicate to them because I have been accustomed to just talking to Filipinos mm-hmm. in English mm-hmm. but it's a totally different experience when you're listening to these people especially when they have a very rough or a very thick accent because it's hard to understand them sometimes so the tendency for people to ask them to repeat what mm-hmm. they are saying multiple times is actually very imminent in these kinds of situations and I think that's the same experience as I felt when I talked to these Um, Americans, British, or Australians. Real breathing. <laughs> If I may share my experience, I bet I was in third year high school during that time when we had to work with two British scientists. The the Whoa. male was Darren. I forgot the the female. I think Amanda. Darren. Hi, Darren. <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, we worked for the Davao River Conservation Project. So these British scientists Whoa. had to go all the way to Davao to help us understand the how do you call that water composition mm. i don't know because i'm not really good in science and that was when i felt like okay i have to you know raise my level i have to keep up <laughs> yeah. with them because yeah, in school obviously we know how to speak in english mm. i listen to my teachers talk in english but it's different when you have a native speaker right in front of you and sir philip and i were talking about this earlier when you listen to recordings they make it a point that the speakers speak clearly mm-hmm. but when yeah. you see them face to face some some of them don't open their mouth as much some of them have a very soft voice that really have to pay attention like the entire time if you want to avoid miscommunication in the case of english exams sir philip uh, sir philip Earlier, you said that they make sure that the recording is clear. Uh, tell us more about that versus the real-life mm. encounter. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think precisely because English exams need to be standardized. Mm-hmm. It has to be the same experience all over the world, whenever you take it, wherever you take it. Mm-hmm. And this requires a certain homogenization, a standardization of the way that um, English is given to students. So um, part, of the, part of the way that that happens is... That, for example, when there are two people who are talking, there would it would always one would always be a boy and the other one would always be a girl mm-hmm. because uh, boys have lower registers whereas girls have a much higher one. Uh-huh. So in the real world, there will be boys and boys talking, and it would be harder to distinguish who is the one who's uh, speaking from uh, yeah. each other. And um, and in addition to that. Uh, The, there would be no overlaps when um, in the recordings for English mm-hmm. exams, right? It's scripted. Unlike in the real world, like for example, us now, when we are talking, sometimes you're saying something while I'm saying something. Uh-huh. something yeah. yeah. So these facets of realistic, real-world conversations are cleaned, are um, excised, are removed in the speaking exam to make it... Uh, to give everybody a fair chance no matter where they come from yeah. in the world totally agree with that and i think that makes the examination a lot easier to manage mm-hmm. compared to mm-hmm. real life conversations with people who speak english as their native language mm. I, i agree i think this uh, building on that i think that helps explain my 
experience earlier uh-huh. where even though I got great scores in the exams Correct. in the real world, this uh, when I made contact with real breathing <laughs> native speakers, it's 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 totally different. Yeah. I'd like to share a historical perspective because I started teaching IELTS in 2006 and back then almost everyone reviewing or preparing for IELTS was actually a registered nurse. But mm. in 2007, that was the first time I encountered skilled workers enrolling at Niner and they told me now they are required to take English examinations. Back then, in 2006, it was not a requirement yet. And if I'm not mistaken, in the 90s, some Filipinos were able to go to US, UK, Ireland, Canada, Australia, New Zealand without having to pass an English examination. But what's the story behind this requirement? In 2007, there's this Australian employer who, if I'm not mistaken, hired 10 cabinet makers. And when they arrived in Australia, obviously, they were selected because they have the skill in making cabinets. But there was this miscommunication because the Australian employer said something like this. Uh, G'day, mate. Will you please make 10 cabinets for me and make sure that they're ready by tomorrow morning? And the Filipino skilled workers responded, uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. The, the following day, the Australian employer came back. Uh, G'day, mate. So where are my 10 cabinets? And the Filipino skilled workers responded, uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. So apparently they did not get the instruction the day before that they were supposed to make 10 cabinets. Now, it's not surprising why in almost every visa application, be it working visa, student visa, Immigrant visa, and mind you, even fiancé visa or spouse visa. I mean, you you just used a Tinder or maybe you use some dating app and now you met uh, the afam of your life, the love of your life, and now you are required oh to pass God. an English examination. So that's the short history behind the requirement of English examinations. Sir Brian, anything to <laughs> add to that before we move to our next talking point? Yeah, so we're talking about English exams in general, and there are so many different English exams. But I think what Sir Philip mentioned a while ago is they're very standardized. Mm-hmm. And whether you're taking the IELTS or the OET or the PTE, the sound is going to be very identical. And this is so different from what you're going to experience in real life. True, true. Even though these exams make an effort to present a range of accents, mm-hmm. when they do present an accent, it's a clean version. It's the it's the accent you hear in the news. Mm-hmm. It's like so, a sterile version of yeah, English. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> so I think for those people who are thinking of taking these exams, please know that in, when you encounter the real breathing uh, natives, it's going to be a totally different experience. Speaking of examination <clears throat> excuse me, versus real life, if I may share... When you get a 9 in listening or the perfect grade in OET listening or PTE listening, it does not end there. You have to keep on exposing yourself to that kind of accent, especially if you're planning to go to that particular country. Because not all of the words used by the locals are going to come out in the examination. Say, for instance, USA, because it's a popular destination. You might hear locals saying, Ghana, watcha, no, I'm saying, ain't, Washamacallit, but you don't really expect to encounter these words in the listening subtest. Or say, for instance, when you go to Australia, quite a lot of people use local terms. Say, for instance, Maccas. 
for the life of me, I can't under I, I can't remember if there is a listening recording which mentions Maccas and what's Maccas in Australia. It's short for McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So there is Telly for television, Windy for window, or in Australia there is Avo, which is another term for afternoon or Lou. In the Philippines, we keep on saying CR, but obviously CR does not exist in other countries. They call it water closet, washroom, toilet, and in the case of Australia, loo. What I'm saying is, when you pass your English exams, it doesn't stop there. Mm -hmm. Expose yourself. And speaking of exposure, I've been waiting to share this story. Because for the longest time I've been teaching IELTS, I thought that I'm good at it. Of course, because that's what I do every single day. But the first time I met a native speaker from New Zealand was back in 2010. So this is the exciting part because I did not tell you this earlier before we started to record this conversation. So I was the only Filipino. There were roughly 40 of us in that tour. We went to Europe. So Scandinavia, Northern Europe. And I had no choice, but I had to befriend uh, Aussies, Americans, Brits. And there's this girl, Mora. She's a native of New Zealand. And then I'm always listening to her. I'm fascinated with how she speaks. Say, for instance, she does not say fish and chips. She typically says fush and chips. And then for oh. a certain, yeah, fush and chips, not fish and chips. Okay. okay. And then for the number, okay, Moira. say, for instance, <laughs> seven. She does not say seven. She says seven. There was this one instance. She asked me if I could accompany her to go somewhere. So now, this is your listening test for both (laughs) of you. Okay? On the spot listening. Yeah, on the spot listening. Let's see if you can get nine this time. Oh my god, (laughs) pressure. So, she asked me, Evan, so that's Irvin, Mm. are you coming with us? The idiot is though. To the what store? To where? <laughs> to the what store? Okay, one more time. Oh, God. Evan, are you coming with us to the Edidae store? <laughs> I know it's three syllables. Edidae <laughs> <laughs> store? Uh, okay. La. Adidas. 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 Oh, Adidas. 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 Oh. <laughs> because we Filipinos oh, would usually yes. say Adidas. Adidas. Yeah, right? or, yeah, but she yeah. says Adidas. Adidas. <laughs> So that's when I thought, okay, I have to expose myself to more uh, Kiwi accent of New Zealand. Well, not so much of the American accent because we've been exposed yep. to Americans all our lives. I mean, we live in a former American colony. That's why almost everything in this country is American. Mm-hmm. We have a great deal of exposure to the English of UK. Mm, a few Aussies. Who are the most famous Aussies you know? Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine. Hugh Jackman, right? <laughs> yeah. Nicole, a lot of people. Nicole Kidman yes, is yes. Aussie as well, right? Oh, okay. There's uh, Kylie, Kylie Minogue. Minogue. Or perhaps some mm. local celebrities with Australian background. Say, for instance, Catriona Gray or Anne Curtis, Anne Curtis or yes. James Reed. Is he from Australia? I'm not sure. Not sure. They don't sound Australian, or, do they? Okay, let's forget about him. Yeah. <laughs> One thing's for sure, Catriona and Anne and Curtis. Okay. Yeah. Have that kind of Australian background, but what about New Zealand? I'm going to ask both of you. Oh, God. Who's the first person from New Zealand who comes to mind when you hear of New Zealand? Dr. Murray Heasley. Same person. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Shout out, Dr. Shout Heasley. Shout out, Dr. Heasley. We well, miss he's a you. former examiner who worked with us helping Filipinos pass the IELTS back then, uh, 2010 to 2012. But 
What about famous celebrities from New Zealand? Can you think of anyone? No, no not really. Exactly my point. Because we're not exposed to a lot of people from New Zealand. Now, if I may share another mm. one. So I think this is more of my episode. Because <laughs> no, go ahead. I, I'm go sharing ahead. personal sure. experiences. Oh, we love it. We love okay, it. this one is was in 2015. So it was my first time in Ireland. So when I arrived... It was relatively late because the flight got delayed. So when I arrived at the hotel, it was late in the evening. So I had to go out. I had to eat because I'm hungry. And what's the first store that I saw? Subway. Oh. Segway in promoting Subway. <laughs> go Subway. <laughs> Best sandwiches ever. Well, if ever you, if ever you pass by uh, PITX Paranaque Integrated Terminal Exchange or Double Dragon Plaza in Pasay, you might want to pay Subway a visit. We sell the best sandwiches out there. Now, speaking of Subway, so I went there and I greeted the lady. Oh, hi, good evening. I'd like to get a sandwich, and then she said, six of foot. And I was like, okay, we own two subway stores in the Philippines, but we don't say six foot. And I was like, what? Excuse me, what were you saying? And she said, six inches or twelve inches. Go ah, okay, six or foot. Ah, six foot. Six foot. Six foot. And then I said, oh, I'm sorry because. Uh, that's not how people from the Philippines, the sandwich artists of Subway Philippines, usually say it. And then she said, "Oh, is it first time here in Ireland?" <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, so this is the real listening test." Right, right, <laughs> My right, point right, is, right. preparing for English examinations and getting the required band score or even acing the test, it does not end there. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when yeah, you yeah, are there, day. it's listening test every, every single day. Yeah. Definitely. There are world Englishes. Like, there's mm-hmm. British English, there's Japanese English, French English. Mm-hmm. Because language is living. It's mm-hmm. organic. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it um, develops differently depending on people. They invent new words. And people okay. get used to different ways of talking. Just like the mm-hmm. how Latin, eventu- uh, all the Romance languages uh, all came from Latin. Mm-hmm. It, but it eventually became French, Spanish, mm-hmm. English, etc. Now, we have two remaining talking points. And one is, which movies or shows or mm, series okay. would you like to recommend to our listeners in order for them to be familiar with different types of accent? <laughs> so hard to answer that question because I don't watch TV that much. Me too. Me too. Um, for the American accent, that's mm-hmm. that's a no-brainer because yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know we're saturated with American content since America is a super uh, superpower. It uh, Marvel is in yep. American accent. Well, um, hmm. mm. probably what I would advise is just watch anything on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Anything that interests um, you, you, go ahead and watch it. And if you're having some difficulty, then probably it's a different accent. Use the subtitle function. <laughs> yeah. For the British accent, definitely watch The Crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's oh, a, yeah, yeah. It's like based on the life of Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Mm-hmm. May she rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, very gripping. Very gripping. And it's, what else? Harry Potter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Um, uh, Bridgerton. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bridgerton. There you go. 
I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but for those of you listening to us for the very first time, Sir Brian is is the one responding to all the emails sent to Niner, and I'm the one responding to all the messages sent to Niner Facebook. That's why we have some of these frequently asked questions. So people ask me, so sir, which movie, show, or series would you like to recommend? Well, for Scottish accent, because I think that we Filipinos don't have much exposure to Scottish accent, I recommend Brave. Are you both familiar mm, with yeah. Brave? Red yeah. hair. Mm-hmm. Red hair. Yes. It's an animation. Okay? That's yeah. the perfect example of Scottish accent. So if you want to be more that. familiar, like mm, yeah, like watch that one. Now, for this one, initially, I fell in love with her. She's Victoria Pedretti. When I saw her on You, there's this ah, popular ah, yes, uh, series yes. on Netflix. So I had to look for other shows where she's uh, also one of the lead characters. And I found The Haunting of Bly Manor. And I'd like to recommend this to you guys. Uh, Why? I think because, I watched that. Yeah, the, uh. the Haunting of Bly Manor. It is a combination of American accent, uh, English accent, the Queen's mm. uh, accent, stiff upper lip with teeth clenched, plus there is Irish accent. So if you're mm. watching one show or one series, at least you are exposed to various kinds of accent. Now, last one. When you do have, uh, when you have trouble understanding someone's accent, what would you recommend to our listeners? One more time, please. <laughs> yeah, it, Can you say that again? Yeah. I mean, if you're watching media, then you replay. You, you yeah. go back. You turn subtitles on. But if you're in the real world, you say, it's, and it's perfectly understandable mm-hmm. for people, especially when they're used to um, encountering foreigners. Yep. You know, like not everyone in the world sounds like you, right? So mm-hmm. if you are a stranger or you're dealing with somebody who's not from around mm-hmm. um, your area, then saying, being honest and saying, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. Can you say that again, please? Yeah. Don't pretend that you know if you don't. Mm. Because it leads to miscommunication mm. if you try to answer a question that was asked and you understood it differently. And it can also cause friction sometimes if you totally misunderstood and you gave a different answer. So mm-hmm. just be very honest and politely ask the person to repeat what he said. Amen. Because in real life, you can ask questions. But mm. in the listening sub this, you cannot ask questions now, <laughs> sir philip here mentioned something about subtitles and i'm just thinking sir brian would you recommend that our listeners turn off the subtitles when they're watching movies on netflix hmm that's a very interesting question um well when they're training for reading it's actually a very good habit to turn it on However, if they're trying to improve their comprehension skills, then possibly it's better to turn it off and try to determine what the words the speakers are saying are. Um, Yet, I think the subtitles are very useful sometimes. If there's a word, a particular word that people cannot understand, they can replay and turn on the subtitles and try to figure out what the words are. What I typically do is to turn on subtitles every Mm -hmm. single time and have my notebook ready, take down notes, not just of the words that I've heard, but also how they're pronounced because Mm -hmm. that helps not only improve my listening skills, but also my speaking skills. Interesting. So Sir Brian here is not just a 
passive listener. He's an active viewer, mm. taking notes and then paying attention to how certain words are delivered by the native speakers. So, looking back at the last few episodes, we're done with speaking, mm-hmm. writing, listening, reading, the four communicative skills. We also talked about two linguistic criteria, grammar and vocabulary. So, what's next? Next week, we're going to share with you our best day experiences, something That's we've never be shared before. What happened on the day of our examination, the night before, what did we eat, and so on. So make sure... I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, make sure you listen to us, you download that episode, and it's always coming out every Friday night. So guys, thank you so much once again, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, guys.